This is Two Girls, One Mic, the show that talks about the holes and plot holes of your favorite porn. Welcome to Two Girls, One Mic, the porncast that would like to remind you that gravity is affecting all of you, including your balls. I am your co-host, Yvette Dontermine. Here's my lovely, unaffected by gravity co-host, Alice. Alice, how the fuck are you doing, baby cakes? Well, considering I turned 30 not too long ago, it's starting to get to me. Specifically my balls. <laughs> they do seem to hang low. I mean, you do you do have some big knockers. I've I've seen them. I have to say though that I mean, in all reality, I mean, if someone sees me naked, they're like, why did you let this 12-year-old boy in? This is definitely wrong. I mean, let's be honest. I have no tits. I have a weird ass. She's built exactly like Pete Davidson. Exactly. <laughs> Tattoos and everything. <laughs> have you seen me and Pete Davidson in the same room? Not yet, but I'm when that happens, weirdest threesome ever. <laughs> and I cannot wait. Who says I'm not Pete Davidson or his son? I mean, you have both spent an odd amount of time in Staten Island. You're not wrong. I'm just saying there is no evidence that you are not. Like, have you ever engaged in a relationship with Ariana Grande? I mean, I have uh, licked some cupcakes. So, I mean, I think that's the closest I'll get to Ariana Grande. <laughs> I'll accept that. I'll accept that. <laughs> Pop culture reference for some of you old people. Wait, was it, was it a cupcake or was it a donut? I think it was, I, oh, I think it was right. a donut. She just walked up to a counter and licked a goddamn donut. She didn't even pay for it. That seems so much less horrifying pre-coronavirus. <laughs> now it's like, you're out to get us all killed, Ariana. We know it. This is where it started. She'd be in prison on terrorism charges. I mean, oh my god! <laughs> right? <laughs> Licking a donut is now an act of bioterror. Yeah, Ariana Grande on bioterrorism charges. You heard it first, not from TMZ, from a porn cast. <laughs> it's retroactive. By the it way, happen. that third voice that you're hearing today, it's Sunny Megatron from Showtime's show Sex with Sunny Megatron or American Sex Podcast. Sunny, how you doing? Yay. Hi. I'm doing great. I'm really happy to be here. We've already recorded a bit for Patreon. If you are not already one of our patrons, please join us over on there for the extra bit we've already we've recorded. We love Sunny and we're having a blast. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. So what makes it so American, your podcast? Like stars, stripes, fireworks, explosions. Please say there's explosions. And balls. Uh, there are balls. Exploding um, balls. Ooh, I could get into that. I could get into that. American sex. I mean, basically, we look at sex from all aspects. So it could be like one week, it's like, here's how to give a great hand job. And the next week, it's like, let's talk about sexual freedom and rights and sesta Fosta. And we've talked to, um, well, my brain, the Surgeon General, the awesome one, Bill Clinton. <gasps> jo What's Wait, Jocelyn Elders. Oh, yes, Jocelyn Elders. Oh. I don't know. My brain is. Yes, we've had Jocelyn Elders on the show. We've had. If you have her digits, her email address, we're just saying we would love to chit chat with her. Because uh, <laughs> her agent is only asking <clears throat> 20, 30 grand. Uh, so. Which which we do not have, but we would love to have our listeners listen to some of the wonderful information she is putting out. Damn, now I feel even like more like shit we won the lottery. I don't know how. Yeah. My husband. Okay, so we always say like our superpower, we work a lot together and we host the podcast together. His superpower nice. is just knowing people and making things happen. And he's like, I know a person who knows someone at the Pentagon who knows a blah, blah, blah person and they're going to talk to him. And I was like, 
Okay. I didn't realize she was that hard to get. I was like, well, maybe Ken got a little lucky. Apparently he got really fucking lucky. The thing I've learned with people that are in positions like that, like you either have money or a connection. And like the connection was just, you got lucky. Yeah. We are connection rich, money poor. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) They're with you on that. Yes. (laughs) Same Z. can shoot an email to Neil deGrasse Tyson, but I can't afford a speaker's fee. (laughs) So for our listeners who have no idea who Jocelyn Elders is, uh, just very high overview, was the first female black Surgeon General of the United States, was like fired in 92, 93, because she said, yeah, we should teach masturbation in sexual ed curriculum. And they were like, no, you should be fired. How dare you suggest that people have the safest form of sexual pleasure that won't knock anyone up or make anybody mad at anyone afterwards? Unreal. Unbelievable. But yeah, it happened. Oh, my God. And I mean, I need to listen to that interview just for the sheer fact of like, this is a woman who has gone on record to say like, America needs to end their love affair with the fetus. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And she was saying this like 20 years ago. She was so ahead of her time. Like all the, you know, things we talked to her about and the stuff she, yeah, 20, 30, longer. She's been saying this stuff forever. And we're like, whoa. And that was back when, like, if you were a Democrat and you said, you know, and you said anything about abortion, you had to say it like abortion should be safe, legal and rare. You had to be apologetic about it. Exactly. And she said, end your love affair with the fetus. It's like, oh, damn. Yeah. She's not backing down on that. You know what? Right now, I'm sure like she's 50 years in the future with her thoughts today. She's probably like, yeah, old people, we should have a cutoff. (laughs) Yeah. She's like, coronavirus is coming for us. Get over it. Yeah. Somebody's going to take that clip of me saying that out of context and be like, yeah, (laughs) it's Cybabe's in favor of death panels (laughs) with coronavirus. Post-birth abortions. Yeah. I mean, look, if the infant doesn't know how to walk within like three weeks, just kick it to the curb. Oh, no, I'm in favor of post-birth abortion up till the age of 27. I think that at 25, if you are not a functional human, if you're just a pain in the ass, like, and you haven't gotten your shit, you got a two-year warning. My kids are 25 and 18, and sometimes I'll joke around and be like, I want to have 147th trimester abortion right now, you know? So <laughs> Whatever you're doing to look so young, you, you look amazing. Oh, just, yeah, I, thank you. When you said 25 and 18-year-old, I was like, what? Yeah. Did, uh, Wow. Thank you. Look, the Republicans warned abortions at any time. Guys, guys, Yeah. 25 years old. <laughs> it's yeah. Like, cause they keep saying, you know, like, you know, the lie that's been, that was circulating. What was it a year ago that oh, they're yeah. taking a baby just bored and killing. I'm like, I don't want to kill a baby. I want to kill a 26 year old. Are you kidding me? Those little shitheads. Babies are adorable. They cry for a little while. They stop crying eventually. You hug them. They cuddle. They're adorable. 26-year-olds on the other hand. Those are hopeless. They're hopeless at that point. Maybe then. Like, just open up the abortion window again for, like, a year. I'm... Somebody is totally going to nail me on. Go ahead. Come for me. I'm exhausted. (laughs) We have to repeat this for the 26th time. We do not support infanticide. (laughs) Just murder. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Oh, oh, Jesus. Lick their donuts, Ariana. Lick them. (laughs) So, Sunny, before we go into your work and things you've written about, you have the coolest fucking name ever. Yay. Sunny Megatron? Yeah. How powerful do you feel in bed? A pretty fucking powerful. Yeah. And I mean, everyone's like, what's the origin? And, you know, sometimes I tease people and I'm like, oh, you know, when my... uh, 
ancestors came over on Ellis Island. We used to be the Omegatrons. They dropped the O, you know, and... I'm descended of Tron. Yeah, no, I just I just pulled it out of my ass. I have a... Sunny is my real first name. My real first name is Sunshine. So <gasps> if you Google me... That's so sweet. Thank you. If you Google me, my first name and my last name... You will find me and come kill me and chop me up and put me in 14 garbage bags in like a flat second. So I'm like, all right, I can't be myself on the internet because I'm paranoid. I don't want people to know, figure out where I live. Yeah. So I was just, I just kind of went like, hmm, you know, what word goes with the first word? And just Megatron went across my brain. Perfect fucking stage. I dig it. Yeah. I was like, it works. And then I was like, no, but I can't because the trademark found out. I only violate trademark if I'm another toy, which, I mean, happens sometimes. But, um, <laughs> yeah, so, I, I mean, I have it trademarked, you know. I, they, we're all cool, so. Nice. Yeah. So, fun fact about trademarks. So, you have to be registered within a specific niche. So, for example, if uh, you're, like, coach apparel and you try being coach, like, shoes or coach, like, undergarments, yeah, that's not going to fucking fly. But if you try being coach gas station... Yep. As long as it's not registered to coach, go for it. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's how trademarks work. Info at twogirlsonemike.com. Uh, trademarks. I'll answer your questions. <laughs> she has had to trademark some things, and so she has a, a an encyclopedic knowledge at this point. Nice. I've also been uh, banned having a trademark from China for uh, fear of causing disturbance. Wait, what? Why? How? I didn't tell Explain. you guys this. Which thing did you try to trademark over? What happened? So I have a trademark on offensive crayons. So Sunny, okay. I have a crayon company called Offensive yes, Crayons. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. Yeah. So uh, my logo is basically a middle finger, and I wanted to trademark uh, the words and the logo everywhere. So I trademarked it in the EU. I trademarked in the US. I wanted to trademark in China just because they rip a lot of fucking shit off. Uh, but they do respect the websites, at least like Alibaba, AliExpress, they respect American trademarks, so to pull those. But ones like Taobao, which are more like, you know, international based, they're like, mm, we don't give a shit if you have an American trademark, but if you have a Chinese one, we give a shit. Huh. Yeah. So uh, my trademark is basically like a bunch of crayons giving a middle finger. And that was rejected from China's trademark office because they said that it would cause a disturbance. Wow. I mean, look, I'm just saying, you called them offensive crayons. They are correctly advertised. True. A friend of mine sent me a screen cap of the crayons in uh, that, like, somebody had posted them to, like, a very small, like, um, shall we say far left group that was very mad about the colors. And I'm like, (laughs) I'm... They're like, yep, they're uh, your your friends' crayons. I'm like, yeah, I'm used to this. This happens every other week. <laughs> like <laughs> they come as advertised. Like th- this is a thing that's gonna happen. But it's like people always get offended about like other than the crayons about the Jews for which the Jews laugh hysterically. People get offended at like the one crayon about yeah. Mo- most Jews laugh at Auschwitz ash, me included in that. But like most people get offended at like the one crayon that's about them and then ignore everything else or kind of get like you know annoyed. For or other people, but like aren't actually mad at them. I don't know. I just, I find them funny and silly and they're crayons. They're fucking crayons. So what we're saying, support me in the show, offensivecrayons.com. <laughs> I have to get paid somehow. <laughs> 
It's funny. I was talking to a friend the other night. We were talking about, we had random ideas for new colors. And she was like, you know, you could do a feminist pack. I'm like, I feel that that would lead in too hard to picking specifically on that. And we were like, maybe a a culture wars pack. I'm like, that's almost what it already is. But like we came up with a few few ideas and you can, of course, shoot down all of them. Uh, Incel blue balls, uh, OK Boomer gray pubes and uh, raging feminist red hair. In case you need ideas for your next pack, Alice, you heard them here first. I do like raging feminist red hair just because it's a trope that has lasted at least 10 years. That and we can say, given that I, I provided it and I have had often that bright red hair. Uh, it's, I, I figure uh, I'm, I'm allowed to make fun of myself. So fun fact when it comes to actually uh, producing the crayons. So one of my uh, secrets is that I always tell people when it comes to coming up with color names, you have to make an evergreen joke. So as much as I love OK Boomer, by the time it goes into production and by the time it's released. It might not be a big thing anymore. Uh-huh. No. Yeah. OK Boomer has kind of died already. Like people still do it occasionally, but it felt like it had like a two to three week peak before it was like, eh. Yeah. When I first was coming out with the colors years ago, I came up with one of my personal favorites, which is so in the moment and doesn't work long term, is United Red Eye. And that was when United was being the crap out of its customers. Oh, yeah. I feel like people still kind of remember that because it's hard to forget the image of that guy being dra- literally yes. dragged. off. The- everyone remembers how mad they were at United, but like United Red Eye, like at that moment, everyone was would have been like, oh, yeah, fucking United is beating people up. Yeah. This show is not sponsored by United Airlines. And never will be. <laughs> <laughs> but hey, United, if you get a bailout, you could sponsor the show. We're not going to say no. United, because they need, because they desperately need the advertising. <laughs> United, because you need to go where you need to go. And it's slightly better than spirit, but you're risking your life a little bit. United, because your catapult died. United, Aww. because uh, you're a submissive. <laughs> United, the next victim of coronavirus. Oh, that's a good one. <laughs> United, when they say it's tight, imagine an 18-year-old virgin. Oh, God. I meant the seating. Um, Oh, jeez. I I guess. Um, Uh, United, out of business, just like this bit. (laughs) And that's where we wrap it. Hey, hey, I ran out of jokes five minutes ago, too. (laughs) So, Sunny, uh, what do you consider yourself? A sex bird? Are you an actual registered sex educator? I consider myself a sexuality educator, although I don't have a degree or whatnot in that. Mm -hmm. I took a weird path. I was a marketing major and worked for an advertising agency for 17 years. Nice. And I I was a woman's studies major, and I took as much human sexuality as I could. And then I ended up getting into this as a second career. So how did you get into this? Uh, Last recession, I got laid off, and I was like, holy motherfucking shit. And my ex-vice president was like, no, you." she's like, you need to start a sex blog. This is like in 2009. I was like, I could not do that, Sue. She's like, no, you need to. As it turns out. Exactly. Yes, so she was right. And here I am. So, <laughs> Hey, thanks to the recession, we have Sunny Megatron. Exactly. Exactly. So when I was looking online, I also saw that you were the former regular host of Red Light District Sex Tours with mm-hmm. Weird Chicago Tours. What's yeah. that about? Because I've been to the Red Light District in Amsterdam. Chicago has one? Well, no. Okay. So oh, uh, pay for sex and deep dish pizza. 
Yeah, no. Well, I specialized in Chicago history. So the red light district tour was a cross between, it was kind of like stealth sex ed on a bus. Like, uh, you know, I'll teach you about consents and da da da. We go to a, like a BDSM dungeon and talk to a pro dom, but then also it's the history of sex, the old levy district in Chicago at the turn of the century and late 1800s. It's all about like the history of sex and the old red light district. So not now, unfortunately. There's really, there's there's not a whole lot in Chicago when it comes to this. It's very underground, few clubs. That's about it. It's unfortunate. And now, but can you still mix a tour with deep dish pizza and sex talk? I don't know. I feel like there's a niche there. Yeah, yeah. I would mix tours. We did, I did ghost tours. I did gangster tours. I did sex tours. I did serial killer tours. And I'd sometimes mix them all up. Like, yeah. There are definitely ways to mix serial killer tours with sex ed <laughs> tours. I'm just saying there have been some Those fucking- Those were my favorite- I would get private tours, usually for either like, oh, it's my birthday and I'm getting friends together, or like bachelor, bachelorette parties would be like, half serial killer, half sex. And I I loved it. Loved it. My master's is in forensics and and I'm a pervert, so I'm like, tell me more. I need yeah. to know. Yeah. That I'm was like, fun. I want to know everyone who was murdered and how, and I would like to know how to safely do double anal. Exactly. And you could get that in all in three hours on a bus. <laughs> yeah. With live demonstration, wait, <laughs> of both the murder and the, wait, Chicago, maybe, I mean. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, yeah, probably. I mean, depends on which tour guide you get the wrong bus. <sighs> true, true, true. How much flack am I going to be in for saying Jeffrey Dahmer's hot? Um, Let's see, Which one of the serial killers was it that everyone's like, well, he was hot, so Ted of course Bundy. he got it. Ted yeah. Bundy, yeah. Like, it's weird because, like, I didn't think Ted Bundy was hot until I saw What's-His-Face playing him in the Netflix version. Uh, Zach something? Zach Efron? Zach Efron. Yeah, like, it was was weird because I I didn't think he was hot. Then I saw Zach Efron playing him, and then I looked at Ted Bundy, and I'm like, oh, I guess he is kind of attractive. (laughs) But, like, is that weird? No. I mean... But, yeah, it's like now, because now I look at him and see the resemblance to Zach Efron. Not only that, but also look up, like, Paul John Knowles, the Casanova killer. (sighs) You know, they lured those women somehow. Yeah. I mean, think about it. The more attractive and personable you are, the more people you have to choose from to kill. I mean, and it's easier. Yeah. Efficient. So I have great job prospects. (laughs) Alice, you've just been working on catfishing me in order to like take one of my kidneys out at like the AVN six years from now. Like this is your long game and I'm okay with it. (laughs) You wake up in a tub and you're like, fuck, I knew it. As long as you leave one kidney, like just, you know, one kidney, half a liver, I'm fine. Just one. Please both lungs. Before COVID, I would have said I I need one lung. But like, you know, I don't know what's going to happen to these lungs after this thing. Leave both lungs. I think a lung is worth $200,000. Why do I know the black market price for a lung? No one asked me. Huh. Alice, I'm a little more scared of you now. It's like, I might know how to hide a body after taking a lung from it, but the fact that you know the market price for a lung, I just, I have questions. That's all. So, Sonny, any interesting sex and serial killer facts? (laughs) Oh my goodness, sex and... See, I did them separately. It was sex and serial... It's like, right. Oh, I got, I got one. I got, okay, so the... Content note for the listeners here. <laughs> I feel like our entire podcast yeah. is a content so note. This was the jaw dropper. We should probably put a content note on this episode, though. Yeah. Just, you know, if we're talk- oh. if we're, if we're, we, there will be discussion of serial killers. Now. And infanticide, possibly. So the Chicago Ripper crew 
is a group of serial killers that are not very well known. And their leader was Robin Gecht. He was supposedly a young worker of John Wayne Gacy. We're not sure, but that's the rumor. Um, So basically, he did construction in the 80s. And do you remember, well, you guys are younger, so you probably don't remember, but in the 80s, this satanic panic, like, was like, don't yes. go to the woods because there's, you know, devil worshipers and this and that. And there was, and all of the uh, the albums, of course, they they yes. were putting subliminal messages and yes. people like, and the Tipper Gores of the world were letting us all know that, you know, all the bad people were out to try to get your kids to be obsessed with Satan. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. So this was like in the, I want to say it was like 80, 1981, maybe. And so satanic panic was huge. Partially in part to Robin Gecht, he was a guy who did all sorts of satanic stuff. He would get together with his two workers. They would cruise the area and find sex workers. And their profile was Latina sex workers with a large breasts. They would throw her in the work van and they would do all of this like ritualistic stuff. When they arrested Robin Geck, they found like an altar with like body parts and he made a guitar fretboard with bones. And so he was obsessed with their boobs. And do you really, this is like really gory. Do you want me to tell you what he did? Tell us, tell us. If you don't like it, skip ahead. But tell us. Carry on. Skip ahead like 45 seconds. So he would take like a piano wire and put it around the breast and pull it until it was severed. And then they would take turns fucking the gaping hole. What? Yes. (laughs) Yes. Wow. So yeah, that was probably the goriest thing that I talked about on the tour. Like, how do you even think to, to do that? Like, I just... Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So yeah, Robin Gecht and the Chicago Ripper crew. You know what city in America has the most, uh, I I don't know if it's the most per capita, but has the most uh, serial killers that's come out of it of all places? Uh, I'm going to guess Portland. Buffalo or something. Cleveland. Cleveland. Okay. I heard this and I just like really quickly, I just, you know, double checked it, but I believe it's Cleveland, Ohio has a, a serial killer problem. I don't want to say quote problem because it's still not like, you know, here's this rash of serial killers coming up, but like they've randomly had a large, a smattering, shall we say, oh, serial killers. Does this just attest to how boring Cleveland is? Yeah, like, guys, if you're in Cleveland, like, try masturbating with the other hand instead of killing a bunch of people. Like, do, you know, do something weird. Take up making a sourdough starter. I hear it's fun. Put something in your butt. (laughs) (laughs) It'll take some time. You know, fuck a gerbil before you kill people. Oh, oh my God. (laughs) Please don't. I I jokingly said fuck a gerbil before you try serial killing. I'm kidding about that, too. Please don't fuck a gerbil. Don't do it. Don't don't take that out of context on me. So speaking of anal for like two seconds. um, Yeah. So uh, I don't know if you guys have ever heard of the performer Siswet. Wait, the what? Um, So she's a sex worker, a performer. Uh, Her name is Siswet. And her big shtick is that she's like some girl in like Sweden or fucking Norway. And she's gorgeous. And like she's this small little thing. I'm going to just pull down my bad dragon tentacle, which is only about like 16 inches long. And she could put the whole thing in. Wow. I got a video sent to me, by the way, the other day about Siswet just basically putting her forearm, so basically up to the elbow, just like shoving in and like she was look, fucking looking for some keys. Wait, in her own ass? Yes. Wow. I just, the bending alone to accomplish that, like I'm a bendy human and I like, there are angles at which I cannot, so to speak, do myself. Is she like a Mary Poppins purse of a human? 
Yes. I mean, in all honesty, I don't know where it goes because I also pulled up a chart of like the intestines to see how, because the intestines basically like once you go up the ass, it's, uh, yes, the ass is very expandable, but it's like a sharp left or a sharp right. I don't fucking know. I haven't really gone up there and explored, but it's a sharp turn. So I'm just wondering if she's kind of like over time and I don't, if you're a doctor, write in. I need to know how this works. If she's been questions. slowly been able to maneuver her uh, intestines to an angle to be able to fit all this, because that's the only way I could see this to be possible. When she does it, does she have her legs, like her knees up towards her chest? Because you know, like how the squatty potty works. Like when you poop with yeah. the squatty potty, it straightens out the curve a bit. Like, could that be one yeah. of her secret techniques? No. No? No. I, I need to know, what. how is she positioned? Is she reached down? Is she? Is her arm behind her back? Like, how is... I've seen her do arm behind her back as well as just straight on sit on, like, a 16-inch long bad dragon with, like, not even hesitating. See, I'm actually more impressed with the fact that she was able to bend in a way to yeah. give her own arm up to the elbow than actually fitting it inside of her. Like right now I'm sitting here going, how does one like reach? Like it's it's not the reaching, it's the reaching up part that that is confusing me. Yeah. Like, Ladies, I will send you the video. Actually, you know what? Let me see if I can pull it from the archive and then uh, I'll play it for you guys and edit, edit it out for some stuff. If people have ever been curious what happens during girl talk time, we pass around videos of other women shoving their fists up their ass because curiosity. Mm-hmm. This is a thing I might be able to do with my body too. No, right? no, we can't. No, no. But, like, I might be able to, but I also might one day ride on a dinosaur. I It will not happen, but it's might. But I sure as shit want to watch somebody else do exactly. it. Exactly. Yeah. So all you need to do is riding on a dinosaur is just email Leroy Myers. (laughs) Yeah. I still love that. Like this picture of me just looking kind of tired and bored riding on a dinosaur. Uh, So, Sonny, I I don't think that you uh, teach people in your workshops how to shove a million things up their asses. But what do you teach? Oh, all sorts of things from, you know, BDSM 101 to advanced to G-spot to prostate play to blowjobs to cyber sex to humiliation like all sorts of different stuff what's your favorite workshop Ooh, that's hard i like them you know it's like picking a favorite child that's easy well yeah i like the basic g-spot prostate those classes because Oftentimes, they're just so revolutionary for people who are first exposed. Just to teach them the anatomy, like, what? There's an internal clitoris? What? You know? And so that's exciting. But I also like some of the more intense BDSM classes because mentally we go to some really fucked up places. I like seeing people go to places that they think are really taboo or they th- they have one certain stereotype of like BDSM is all mean and you have to yell and wear black and dudes wear eyeliner and to teach them that it can be whatever they want to be and it can still be really fucked up. And therapeutic sometimes. And don't you also have a class on, okay, and I saw this online, on electric wand play? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Tell me more about how we can use electricity. Okay. So there's two types of electric toys you can use. You can use the wands, like the neon wand or violet wand, or you can use a TENS unit. 
this might be more accessible to people because you might have hurt your back and gone to physical therapy and they sent you home with that little thing with the little pads that you put on your back. I have a TENS unit and it is delightful for managing pain for that kind of thing. It's also delightful for managing your clitoris. I have heard that and I'm I'm still terrified to put it on my clitoris. Well, you know, what you need to do, like when you use a TENS unit, it sends like little bolts of electricity, like zoop, zoop. it feels like a pulse kind of. If you have it on real low, mm-hmm. it's like zoop. Zoop, zoop. And if you turn it up, it can be painful. But if you adjust the settings low enough where it's just like a slow kind of rhythmic pulsing, it's like, you know, when that one person that you dated, and they're usually the people who are like a nightmare, not in bed, but they're the best at eating you out. You know, <laughs> you've dated that person. Uh, fuck. Okay, how do you know him? That laughter gave it how away. How do you the, know him? Uh, they were both named Dominic. I swear to fucking God. <laughs> so, but I got several names for that guy. Yeah, <laughs> but that guy was really good at eating you out. And there's usually the one move they do where it's almost like a suckling, and you're like, like a fluttering suckling, and you're like, how are you doing that? And you're like, ah. You can make your TENS unit duplicate that feeling. Mm. Shut up. With the right settings, with the pads on each side of your clit. If I'd only known, I would have put up with Dominic for way, both the Dominics for way less time. Okay, maybe one of them I would have put up with for all of it, but not the second one. So what you need to do, go find your TENS unit, get it fresh up with batteries, put a name tag on it that says Dominic. My husband might get mad about it. Oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just saying. (laughs) But so yeah, TENS units, they can be great for pleasure. And they can also be great for I'm doing a BDSM scene and I'm interrogating somebody and I'm, you know, making them tell me information or whatever. And of course, it's all consensual. And I put the pads on the bottom of their feet. And I can very quickly induce, you know, the worst Charlie horse you've ever had in the middle of the night. I can do that like on a dime. And so TENS units are super versatile. Granted, I recommend for people really getting the most out of them to buy one made for sex because then there's attachments. There's dildo attachments. Oh, yeah. There's attachments that go around your balls. Like, there's all sorts of different things. But, uh, yeah, I I love electricity, and I love teaching about it because most people have an idea that it's horrible. Yes. And it's a very hands-on class. So when I teach it, it's like, no, let me turn on the thing. Everyone line up. I'm going to touch you with the thing. And most of the time, people are like, oh my God. They're more scared of the before. Like, oh my God, don't wait. Not, not yet. Oh, eh. And then I do it and they then they smile and laugh and they're like, oh my God, that was cool. And everyone's reaction is kind of, oh, yeah. That's, yeah. That's, here's a question. How are ways that you see people using it that can hurt them? Or do you see this? Do, is that something that you see happening? And in addition, is it bad that I'm really cheap and I just use a fork and a socket? Well, <laughs> I thought I talked to risk, you about you know. that. God, <laughs> upgrade to a knife. Well, I teach a lot of, you know, hardcore kinksters that really like pain. So there are certain attachments. If the wand toys are are different than the TENS units, there's stuff that you, you know, touch on the person externally. And there's all sorts of different attachments where you can make it more advanced. But there are some attachments that you can actually brand someone, do an electric branding. So it's like a little tip, you touch it to their, you know, close to their skin, a little lightning bolt comes out and that's what's carving the design into your skin. Is it like a temporary hickey or is it just like, no, you're, oh. I mean, Ah. it depends on the person and their skin and also how high you have it. But if you have it up pretty decently, it can be a permanent brand. 
Yikes. Yeah. So, so I love electric because you can do it from like, oh, that that gave me a Dominic-like orgasm to, oh, my God, I had the biggest leg cramp of my life and now I'm permanently scarred. Like, it's the whole spectrum. And you should know the, the equipment that you're working with before you go and use it on someone is, is a big uh, message to take out of this because of the range oh, yes. of functionality here. So speaking of equipment, I feel like you've also written articles about counterfeit sex toys. And yes. it is a huge fucking market because I was in the counterfeit industry combating it, guys, not selling it, uh, for a little while. Sure. And sex toys were knocked off constantly. Huh. So it's so important that when you're buying sex toys, don't just find like a random fucking store online. Like make sure you're buying from a registered distributor or from the actual manufacturer. Um, what tips can you give? Because I know that a lot of people just go on like Amazon. They say, ah, right. this looks good. My tip is be very leery of sites like Amazon, eBay, AliExpress, I don't remember the percentage, but something like 90-something percent of the sex toys sold on those sites are counterfeit. And you may be thinking like, okay, you know, if I bought a counterfeit purse or a designer shirt or something, yeah, it might be a little different, but it still gets the job done. It's a purse. It carries my stuff. But with sex toys, it's the mechanics on the inside that tend to be different. So at minimum, you're getting a toy that you think is the authentic luxury toy, but what you're using has maybe half the power or dies after six months. That's if you're lucky. If you're not lucky, I have heard people of, I was using a toy and it burst into flames. I am not kidding. Ah, So yeah, yeah. So I usually tell people, granted, there are some legitimate sellers on Amazon. Usually, there's a couple things to look for. One, go to that manufacturer's website. From their website, lead that to their Amazon store so you know it's legit. Some manufacturers have certain like serial numbers or, you know, unique numbers on their products or, you know, things you can use to then register your product with the company. If you're buying something on Amazon, it may not have that. So that's another way. But I just say generally, unless you are 100% sure that the actual manufacturer is selling on Amazon and you followed their link from their website, don't shop on Amazon. Even if it's half the price, it's just not worth the risk. And a lot of people think, well, what if, so what if I buy a knockoff dildo? But the problem is, so first off, there are health risks involved. I mean, you're putting this on your body, on your genitals, no less. And these toys specifically, I mean, I know when it comes to specifically cosmetics, counterfeit cosmetics, I mean, what they found was when they test counterfeit cosmetics, and uh, don't quote me on the percentage, please look into this because I'm going to be wrong, but it's something like between 40 to 60% of counterfeit cosmetics had either something that was undisclosed, an undisclosed ingredient, or even further, an ingredient that would be considered contaminated or not safe. So something like uh, animal feces, uh, or even to get like the consistent Consistency of lip gloss, people would put into the quote lip gloss super glue. Oh. So there are reports no. of people, absolutely, there are absolutely reports of people going to the hospital because they bought what looked like Kylie Jenner's lip kit on fucking Wish. Oh my God. And they end up in a hospital. Yeah. 
Wow. At one point I was considering like, I, I love makeup. I have a minor, minor addiction to it. And I've looked on these websites before, you know, for cheap makeup and they look so close. And then you look at review videos online and you look at the analyses and they're all, a lot of them are made at these, you know, private label labs in China and, you know, in various countries overseas. And you don't know what goes into them. And a lot of them, uh, if I don't know how much of a makeup addict you are, but like there's a thing that to get the ultra pigmented uh, eyeshadows that are out now, there's this thing, pressed pigments. And all it means, it doesn't mean that they're better shadows. It means that they're not legally allowed to call them eyeshadows because of the ingredients in them. Oh. Uh, and so that's how we're getting these ultra pigmented eyeshadows that I love so much. But you also sometimes, especially with, like, with reds, you'll get uh, shadows that will dye your eyelids. Holy um, moly. Yeah. So uh, this is just my, my uh, I mean, temporarily. They'll, it'll te well, as though that's great. As though that makes it okay. Don't worry. Two or three days, you won't look like a cloud anymore. My point is, and I have one, if this is what you're getting for makeup, if you're getting things that have all these, you know, ingredients that aren't, uh, you know, necessarily approved for use on your face uh, when you're getting knockoff brands of makeup, think about what you're putting in your pussy and purchase carefully. Yeah. And also sex toys are not regulated, even the legit ones. Yeah. There's no, you know, no regulation really? like we have with eyeshadows and yeah. So there's no standard for the legit products. Wow. There's definitely no standard for the counterfeit products. I mean, given that most women I know their favorite clitoral toy is actually a back massager, um, it doesn't seem like a, a an easy to regulate market. And yeah, uh, support the show. We link to the Hitachi in the show notes. Buy it through <laughs> our link. <laughs> Help us keep our dogs vaccinated. Support us on Patreon. <laughs> And I mean, one last thing I'll say on the topic of counterfeit sex toys, and then we can move on. But counterfeit products, I mean, they're the number one biggest uh, market when it comes to actually fueling black markets. It's not organs, as we joked about before. It's not, uh, you know, drugs. It's counterfeit goods. They're a multi-billion dollar industry. Because think of it this way. If you're on the streets... Would you rather be caught with cocaine or ecstasy in your pocket, or would you just rather be caught with a bunch of handbags? The sentence for one of them is a lot more lenient. Yeah, yeah. it's bad all around. It really is. So don't do it. Support manufacturers and don't screw with your junk. Right. And, you know, if you support the legit manufacturers, they have more resources to make better stuff. Like, you know, so... That and, you know, they're the person that put all the creativity and hard work and research into making that thing. So don't be a dick. Buy from the person who made it. Mm -hmm. So I saw also that you've written about, and I have to ask you about this because we've never talked about it, but Yvette and I have in private, you know, talked about it. Clown sex. Yeah. Alice, you weren't supposed to tell everyone. <laughs> hey, everyone. We're supposed to play dress up with the red nose first. Okay. And then tell everyone about our magical experience. <laughs> no, actually, one of the early introductions to just sex positivity and role play and whatnot I had was clown play. And, you know, at first, when I met my husband, actually, we met on FetLife. And I was like, you know, I remember talking to a girlfriend. I'm like, he seems really cool. You know, he does this. He does. He seems really legit, except he has clown sex as one of his fetishes. Like, he might be a weirdo and, you know, chop me into 14 garbage bags and throw me into different counties. So I was like, I'll go with it, you know. <gasps> I realized very quickly after actually doing some clown scenes how liberating it was. Like, it, it just took... Oh, I, I want to know more. <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, what we think of BDSM, like the role play, you know, sometimes there's a dominant submissive dynamic, all of that mental play. 
But when we think of BDSM, we put it in, you have to be stern, it has to be this way, you have to be serious. And to just turn it on its head and make it completely ridiculous made me not only look at BDSM differently, it made me look at my own sex differently. Because before this, before my you know sex positive journey, I was your very stereotypical, like missionary position, lights out, fake your orgasm. You don't talk to your partners Aww. about sex. Like it was pretty sad. Aww. And I had grown up thinking about sex in like this idealized version of sex. Like I had to have the perfect lingerie on and I had to make just the right noises and can't lean that way because my fat rolls are, you know, and God forbid if I fell off the bed or I queefed or I farted or, you know, did one of those embarrassing things that we all do during sex. Yep. And really, when you think about it, sex is ridiculous. It's gross. It's silly. You know, and I was trying to make it serious. So doing sex things as a clown just reinforced to me, like, all of this shit that I put, this box I put sex in isn't real. Like, I can make sex as ridiculous as I want. And I'm still sexy. I'm still having fun. Actually, I'm I'm having more fun. I feel more liberated, more uninhibited. And it just, it was almost like weird, uninhibited immersion therapy for me. And it was great. That is amazing. Yeah. I think the sillier and the more you can laugh in bed with a partner, the the more you can lean into the weird shit you want to try out. But man, like this is the first time someone has described clown uh, sex or BDSM in a way that's made me go... Yeah, I think I want to try putting on cloud makeup because that sounds wonderful. Yeah, it's it's so much fun. And now were both of you like what was the who was costumed? What was the can okay, I? Okay, so how we started. This yeah. is funny. I legit. Okay, so when I started talking to him, and I was like, you know, you're trying to flirt and be cool, and you oh, know, yeah. talk about some common things, and I was like, so I see you're a clown. I actually, this is true. I was a mime in grade school. I was in a mime troupe. And I'm like, I was a mime thinking like we'd have something. And he was like, (laughs) you were a mime. And I was like, I did not know that clowns and mimes are natural enemies. I had no idea of like the whole clown mime. They have their own like version of West Side Story. Only the mimes are like. Exactly. Well, that's what we did. So our first scene, we went to like a public dungeon party. I dressed as a mime. And I, th- I was submissive oh for God. like three seconds. I'm not submissive anymore. I'm dominant. But I tried being submissive. You know, I tried on all the shoes. And I was the mime, the submissive mime. He was the dominant clown. My safe word was the hands, you know, because I couldn't talk. <laughs> and he was just making me do all of it, and which is hard because I talk a lot. And uh, he was, you know, like, go in the corner and lock yourself in a box. And I'd be like, and he'd be like, the box is getting smaller. And, been, you know, and I was crawling around the party, like, I don't know, picking imaginary flowers and like doing things. And like, there's all these people in like leather with the St. Andrew's crosses and the the oh, floggers yeah. doing like all their BDSM stuff. And here I am crawling on the floor, like, hey, let me look for these imaginary flowers so I can give them to my Dom clown. Like, it was the most ridiculous thing. It sounds wonderful. It though. really <laughs> was. It really was. I have been to those dungeons where there are those people that are like, let me show you how much Domier I am than any other Dom that has ever been a Domly Dom. And you're like, I'm so bored with you already. Yes. Yeah. And that, I mean, really, I had always been interested in kink. Like, it's inherently something I like. But I saw that stereotype. And I was like, fuck, that, that's not for me. Those pretentious people that are like, I'm so dummy. And then I discovered this. And I'm like, holy shit. BDSM can be whatever I make it. So it's like a lot of the scenes that I do are like really twisted, practical joke comedy skits. 
Like we laugh our asses off. Oh and I'm like, God. wow, this is BDSM. Like it's whatever I want to make it. And this is what it is. So that's basically how I teach BDSM. It's like throw all that shit away. You thought you knew what BDSM was because it's not. It's play. It's adult play. One of my favorite kink educators is Midori. And her definition of kink, it's like I have to just tell everyone your definition because it's way better than mine, is childlike play with adult sexual privilege and better toys. I like it. And I'm like, fucking A. That's it. Yeah. That's perfect. So here's a question I have about clown play. And I'm asking this seriously because I just don't know. Are there some people who incorporate stereotypical tropes into clown play, such as the flower that squirts water or I don't know, like, do you have scarves out the vagina? Do you have a Playmobil car and one of you tries fitting into it? Uh, Yeah. I mean, there are lots of different things we do. I know there's lots of things done with rubber chickens because you could pervert rubber chickens and you could spank people with them. I knew someone who had a bunch of mini rubber chickens and tied them to the ends of falls and made it into a flogger. So the ends of the flogger were rubber chickens. Oh my God. Um, There is, you know, there are people that have the squirty flowers. There's lots of just the most groany like dad jokes. Like, you know, I'll be sucking somebody's cock and then I'll be like, it tastes funny, you know. Um, And... (laughs) Because the clown's cock does taste funny. You know, so just, it's, it's the ridiculousness. And I think you know, the, the juxtaposition of something that's supposed to be so serious, but then you're pairing it with something so fucking ridiculous oh my God. is amazing. I think this is the first time someone has presented something that I never would have been like, yeah, I'll try that like on the show. And by the end of the show, I'm like, I, I think I'm going to try that. This is a first for me on the show. You have (laughs) sold me on clown BDSM, (laughs) madame. I like this so much. It might even be one of my kinks. I really love teaching people who think like, I don't really think I'm interested in BDSM. And then they get out of a class with me and they're like, who wants to meet my Dom? (laughs) Let's do this. Oh my God. Like, I think a lot of us do things that can fall into the BDSM framework, whether it's literally in the bedroom or whether it's just like being playful with a partner. It doesn't have to be, you know, that's another thing about my BDSM. It doesn't always involve sex and genitals. And, you know, sometimes it's just, I get off on the mental give and take and the play. Yeah. And when you open up that definition of sex and kink to that, people are like, well, I I want some of that. Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of people think that BDSM is all just, you know, floggy, floggy, floggy. It's like it's pretty much all power exchange and how you decide to use that and apply it. Uh, And a lot of that comes down to, of course, floggy, floggy. But it's, you know, what are you going to allow someone to do to you and what how much do you trust someone uh, in this context? So there's it goes a lot further than just, you know, the floggy and how you decide to go with that. Yeah. I always tell people like one of the first things I say in my BDSM classes is people think BDSM is about the physical fuck, whether that's actually fucking or hitting. And it's like, no, first and foremost, it's about the mind fuck. And if you choose to put physical with it, you're using that as a tool to get more into their mind. So that said, you've convinced Yvette and some of the audience, definitely, you know what, we're going to try clown play. But (laughs) you wrote about something that I don't know if you can convince a lot of people to get into. And I'd love for you to elaborate more on bugs and insects. Okay, yeah. 
Hard no. This is not my kink. This is okay. not my, I just, I don't want to kink shame. Don't want to kink shame, but we all nope. have things where we're like, that's a hard limit. Um, so <laughs> on, on our TV show on Sex with Sunny Megatron, we had a segment on for mycophilia, which is insect fetish. And so in this segment, there was a person just laying down Ooh. and it's not like, I was very concerned as a producer of this show. I'm like, I don't want any bugs to be hurt. I don't want to, like, construe this with bestiality. Like, we had long ethical conversations amongst the producers. Like, is this bestiality? Is this ethical? And we determined it was not because this person would just lay naked, you know, on their back. And then there was a bug wrangler who was like, you know, like, think of like Jay Leno show when they come out with the the baby tigers and stuff and they have the khakis on. It was a guy with khakis, but he had bugs. He had scorpions and crickets and also like big giant, you know, hissing cockroaches and stuff. And he would just... Oh my God, Netflix, there's a Joe Exotic of bugs. There totally (gasps) is. There totally is. Somewhere there's a Carol Baskins of of bugs. (laughs) So he would just put the bugs on the guy's body anywhere. It's not necessarily the genitals. It's just like, you know, wherever he puts it, he puts it. And for the person experiencing it, granted, I was there during the filming. I was standing on the couch like, oh, my God, oh, my God, because it's not my kink. And he was like, it's like sensation play. So like how if you would be, you know, rubbing a soft feather over somebody's skin or and each bug had a different sensation and that was the appeal he got out of it. And I intellectually, you know, conceptually, theoretically, whatever, I get that. I get it. Like, oh, it's just the sensation. But I personally can't get past the fact that it's fucking bugs. Like I can't. Yeah. yeah. So, mm. Like, I'll camp, but, you know, I, I do what I can do to not have bugs on me whilst I am, I'm, I try to avoid nature while I'm out in nature. I don't know why I want to invite more nature inside. Yeah. yeah. So, but some, you know, there's a kink for everything. Some people are into it. Yep. Yeah. I mean, there's a number of things I could do with bugs. I mean, there's a restaurant in New York uh, called Toloache that serves cricket tacos. And I know some people who are who are listening are saying, ew, that's disgusting. You would eat a cricket. But it, go for that. it tastes like jerky. Yeah. Yeah. I've had like a box of spiced crickets from a science museum that they're like, here, try. I'm like, fuck it. I'll try it. Not bad. They taste and crunch kind of like sunflower seeds. Oh, yeah. I mean, I might try a bite and then I'd scream afterwards. But yeah, I was terrified. But I also figured this can't kill me. And I'm someone who uh, food textures can really bother me. But I'm like, eh, eh, at worst, I'll just end up spitting it out. And it was not it was really it just ended up tasting like sunflower seeds. And yeah, texture and taste. But like you didn't you weren't sitting there like there's a bug here uh, afterwards. So the fact that it was crunchy, I think, really helped. And there's a handful of companies that are actually making cricket powder uh, protein bars and yes. protein type products because it's exceptionally sustainable and higher in protein. It's better for you overall. That's what they say. I don't know. Guys, email us info to girls on mic. Am I wrong on my cricket flower facts? <laughs> yeah. I might try that, but actually, I think the crunch and the texture, mm, but there is one thing I did do with bugs that I, I forgot about. Again, I don't like bugs. I don't like to touch bugs. But I am, in a BDSM sense, a psychological sadist. Oh, my. Um, So you can get, like, a a sandwich bag, like a clear Ziploc bag, and put crickets in the bag. So you're not hurting the crickets, and I'm not touching the crickets. That's, you know, I have someone else put the crickets in the bag for me. And 
you have a submissive who is terrified of bugs <gasps> and you take the crickets and you like put the bag up to their oh, face so they can oh. see the crickets, they can feel the crickets, mm. but the crickets are contained. They're not, you know what I mean? Oh, so, that's, that you you wicked woman. Yes. So you I have wicked done that. Woman. Yeah. That is cruelty executed well. <laughs> I don't have a phobia of bugs, but like they they creep me out a little bit and like that would fucking unnerve me. Well played. But it's safe. The thing is, it's safe. So it's like if you're the if you're the submissive who's scared of bugs, even the dominant who's scared of bugs, because I was, you're playing with your fear in a safe, literally yeah, a exactly. safe container. Oh, exactly. So it's it can be therapeutic, you know, it could be directly therapeutic, like I'm trying to get over my phobia of bugs, or it could be therapeutic in I have all of this like nervous energy, you know, I need a place for my flight or fight reaction to go and to just dissipate out of my body. That's the same reason why we see scary movies and we ride roller coasters. We're fucking terrified when we're like eh, 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 going up the thing on the roller coaster and we're about to go down. But sure as shit, we get off that roller coaster and we're like, holy shit, that was terrifying. Want to do it again? It's the same mechanism. You're just doing it mentally. So I hate insects, so I, I think the only way I could get through this is if I used a TENS unit as a bug zapper. <laughs> <laughs> See, it's just battle of the of the, of the fetishists. Yeah. <laughs> Dress everyone up in clown makeup, give one person a bag of bugs, one person a violet wand, See who See comes out on top. <laughs> Picturing this being an epic battle here. I like it. I like it. So, Sonny, what's been uh, your favorite episode or tidbit of advice or crazy story? I'll, we'll take anything. Oh, gosh. That's so many choices. So many choices. Let's see. Try to think. What's relevant for right now? It doesn't have to um, be right now. What's a thing that you think people should do with their junk while they're locked down if they haven't done it before? Uh touch it i mean obviously <laughs> they probably touched it before um i am really if you haven't do it it's great <laughs> touch your junk all the time all the time <laughs> the 13 year old boy who's listening to this touch your junk right now <laughs> walking down the sidewalk do it touch it Touch It'll it. keep people six feet away from you it will it will <laughs> definitely um i am really enjoying seeing people getting into each other's heads, because that's my thing. So it's like, now you can have really safe sex online with somebody. Like, go on FetLife. Like, go on FetLife. If you're curious about clown fetishes, go on FetLife, find a clown fetishist and be like, you want to Zoom? Or even if the phone, if you don't have clown makeup and just, you know, role play. I've been also seeing a lot of people getting into really interesting role plays in quarantine. You know how we fetishize the things that are taboo. Right. And so I've been seeing people who are normally very like, I'm staying in the house, I'm staying six feet away, I'm wearing my mask, I got hand sanitizer in every pocket. Like they're really adhering to the rules, having fantasies where they're like, you know, some people have fantasies where they bareback somebody without a condom. They're fucking people without face masks, like, breathe all over me, cough on me, <laughs> lick my oh face, my lick my cupcake. Like, oh my God. Just, and having these corona. Spit in my open mouth. Go full Ariana Grande. Lick this donut and shove it in my mouth. Lick my eyeball. Yes. So they're fantasizing about, like, we're going to have sex without PPE. <laughs> I want to have sex on a hospital bed in New York City with no protection. Oh, God. God. Like, 
I want to have an orgy pit of people I've never met before. Condoms on everyone, but no face masks. Yes. <laughs> like, oh man. Yeah, that is a fantasy now. Pretend I'm Chris Cuomo's wife who has COVID and I'm about to take a bath of bleach. Oh, <laughs> oh God. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's a good time to... Yeah, obviously explore yourself, but explore your mind and explore them with other people in a pretty fucking safe container. Like I do a whole class and I have, I'm doing a class coming up at Sugar Baltimore and I've got the links on my website and stuff. It's all about cyber sex, but it's mainly, it's very psychological. A lot of it is BDSM. Yeah, there's stuff that can be adapted to people who are more vanilla, but it's designed to like open up not only the tools that you're using online, but coming up with really creative scenarios that you can do with anybody anywhere in the world while you're sheltering in place. Nice. That sounds fantastic. Yeah. Uh, before we, you tell our listeners where they can find you, uh, we do have to thank some listeners who could get the full video episode of this at patreon.com slash twogirlswithmike or just go to twogirlswithmike.com. And you guys can also get the pre-show where we talked about some insane topics, including, I guess, starting from TikTok and boobs and then going to legislation. You're welcome. Dickcock. Right? Dickcock. We're very clever today. <laughs> But we do have some fantastic patrons to thank, speaking of which. And today we want to thank... Ryan Shambly, Christopher Wedge, Bonnie Kent, Jim Fruit, Kelly Fraser, Connor Cunningham, Michael Gatt, Jimmy Lee, Rich Wedlink, Brian Gowdy, David Bullock, and many, many others. And if you want to become a patron again, twogirlswithmike.com, hit the support button, or patreon.com slash twogirlswithmike. Sunny, where can our listeners find you? Oh my goodness, all sorts of places. Uh, sunnymegatron.com is my website. Also, American Sex Podcast, any any platform or americansexpodcast.com. I am Sunny Megatron, so at tag S-U-N-N-Y, Megatron, just like the toys, on pretty much every platform, uh, social media platform. And what else? Oh, we also have a Patreon, patreon.com slash American Sex. And one last thing, the newest thing we've been doing, we have a Discord community of our podcast nice. listeners, which has been like, there's sex stuff happening. Like, it was supposed to be for sex stuff, but then people are like, we all really like each other. Can we have a channel where we can share recipes and, you know, talk about the books we're reading? And I was like, wow, sex positive people are so versatile. I got to get onto Discord. Oh, yeah. I'll give you the address. I mean, I'm on Discord, but I got to get onto your. Yeah. yeah. It's bit.ly, B I T dot L Y, Discord. ASP for American Sex Podcast. Nice. And if at Orkin our listeners find you, you guys can find me at the Cybabe on Twitter and Instagram where I, ins I are sciency and snarky and I occasionally don't stutter when I'm typing. And you can also find me at facebook.com slash Cybabe where likewise science snark and occasional live streams where I talk for an hour and 10 minutes without stuttering this much somehow. Anywho, Alice, where can people find you and our podcast? Guys, of course, you can find the podcast at Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all the places, uh, just slash TGOM podcast. You guys could also, if you're not sure, just twogirlswithmike.com. We own the domain for two girls with Mike spelled out. And if you're dumb, putting in the numbers, you're not dumb. I'm sorry. I apologize. <laughs> Careful listener. She doesn't apologize. She meant it. <laughs> she hates Let's you. Let's reframe that. If you're math oriented... <laughs> There. If you really like numbers. <laughs> but 
Also, you could find me, Alice, on Twitter at Rational Blonde, but I communicate on all the places where TGOM podcast is. Uh, but of course, make sure you tell all your friends, your family, your dog, your grandmother, your high school gym teacher about Two Girls and Mike the Porncast. Thank you so much again, Sunny, for joining us. Thank you. This has been a blast. Thank you for coming on. We will see you next time. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Bye.